0: Good morning. Today's scripture is John chapter 19, verses 28 through 37. After this, Jesus, knowing that it was all now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it was born witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, They will look on him whom they have pierced. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated.
1: All right. Thank you, Christina. Well, good morning. My name's Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and about 15 minutes or so before the service, we all gather and we pray together and someone prayed. actually, Joel Johnson um, prayed for me specifically as I preach and and he prayed uh, that and that we would honor, and we've honored God with our preparation up until this, you know, through this. And then also that there would be a sense of, of open-handedness as, as we come and do the different parts of the service that we do, that the Spirit of God would lead us and guide us. And, and, and I, I thank you, Joel, for for praying that. And I will say um, I, I have prepared and and been and thought a lot about this and even how I'd kind of start. But just what the Lord's done thus far in the service has has hit deeply um, in, in my heart. And I'm just so thankful for our church. Um, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Joel, Joel Harris. Um, you've been talking about doing, doing specials for a long time and and now we've done a, a couple. Thank you for your patience, for your leadership. I don't even know if Joel's in here right now. I think he might've stepped out. So you can tell him, Christina. Um, but yeah, just, our, our, just it's been a, a long journey. Our church is not perfect. Um, I won't call for amens there. I know we all agree with that. <laughs> but uh, we have a perfect Lord. Jesus is the head of his church. and uh, Yeah. And he is doing He is doing a mighty work. Um, Man, thank you, Marcus, for leading us. Um, in so many ways, the pastoral prayer uh, was Marcus's idea, and we've started that and done that, and week in and week out, and it's it's shaping us. Um, not to shame anyone, but if you stroll in fifteen or so minutes late, you you miss that. Uh, it's a key part of our of our service. So I want to encourage you. To come um but yeah thank you for leading us and and even for vulnerably it, it struck me as you were as you were sharing and and praying for young innocent children in Ukraine and um i know that's your your story um man so thank you thank you for um yeah for sharing Your 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 story, uh, the brokenness, the difficulty, the pain, um, and the and the healing, and the room redemption and the hope with us. Um, let's uh, let's pray. Father, we're we're yours. We're in your hands. We are your children because of uh, our big brother, Jesus, your son. God the son, the one who was in the beginning, the one who was the word, the one who is the word, the one who through whom and for whom all things were made. As Marcus prayed earlier, things unseen and things seen. The one who has all authority. I pray that as we meditate and come under his final words, his final moments on this earth, I pray that by your spirit, the same spirit that Jesus sent to fill us and indwell us individually, to shape us and lead us as a collective whole, We pray that you will do a work through your spirit among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, If you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and turn with me. Uh, I say this every week, but I encourage you this week to to turn there. We're going to want to follow along in God's Word. So if you have a copy of God's Word, turn there. If you don't, will you hold your hand up high and keep it up? And somebody will get you one, okay? We'll again, we want to make sure everyone has a, a copy of God's Word. Y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en Juan, capítulo 19. So again, this is our gift to you, okay? If you don't have a copy of God's Word, we want to make sure everyone has one and can follow along and read Along, I'll briefly say as you're turning there to meet me, um, a couple things I just wanted to make us aware of. Again, had it all mapped out, and planned out how I'd share this, but instead I'll just kind of quickly drop it. Um, our youth, uh, Redemption Youth, are, are at the first ever um, Redemption Youth, Redemption Tucson Youth w- w- Winter Camp. They'll be coming down in about an hour or so. From um, so I can't go too long here because we got to pick up some kids. <laughs> But uh, they'll, be, they'll be coming down from Mount Lung, Lung Women, where, where they've been for the last couple days. Redemption Flagstaff and Redemption Tucson youth groups of, have really formed a, a cool bond. And so anyway, they're up there together and having a great weekend. And, and, and I'll just say now we have some great youth mentors and Lung Weeders, and if you have a specific heart to, to really pour into middle school and high school age, please talk to us. Mention it on a connect card. God's doing some ex- exciting things there. And um, also, this coming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, the the beginning of the Lent, the season of Lent. And so there's a blog that we have that we'll put out that explains that and really encourages us as a church to how to pray and how to how to even enter into a season of f- f- fasting as we anticipate and remember the fulfillment of God's promises and Jesus dying and then raising from the dead. So we'll mention that a bit throughout this season. But again, look look in the, in the email, on the app, different things to follow along with that. And I want to invite and encourage us even um, kind of m- worldwide, a number of people and churches and different um, denominations are going to, on this Wednesday, specifically pray and and fast for what's going on in Ukraine. And so, uh, again, I want to invite us as a church to uh, do that, to remember to to pray, um, to pray with Jesus, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, as we get into our time this morning in... John chapter nineteen. We're talking about the crucifixion. We're looking at the crucifixion of Jesus. That's the the cross. That's a death by hanging on a cross. Um, well known Roman philosopher Cicero said this about crucifixion. He said, "To bind a Roman citizen is a crime. To flog him is an abomination. To kill him." Is almost an act of murder. I don't know how that's not an act of murder, but he said, he said, to crucify him defies language. There was, it, like, even children couldn't draw or write about or even hear about crucifixion until a certain age. It was viewed with that level of, of horror. And for us, right, a cross can become something to get. Tattooed on your body, to wear as jewelry, right? To hang up in our house as decoration, you know, things like that. But 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 which can be good if it's meant to remind us of something significant. The significance of crucifixion, of Jesus dying on the cross. Can we just paint a brief picture here of the gruesome reality? of crucifixion. It was first founded or started, what they say, on kind of the outskirts or the in the shadows of the civilized world, kind of the barbarian world came up with this idea of crucifixion. It was something that, again, whatever, you know, in civilized society at the time, kind of Rome and, and Greece, they didn't come up with it, but over time, they, as they conquered various nations and empires, they learned it, and then they practiced it, and then they even perfected it. And the whole idea of crucifixion, of death on the cross, was that it would be the clearest picture to the world of what happens to you if you dare challenge the powers that be. And so people who opposed the rulers, the powers, whether it was someone who committed a crime or, or a, a nation that was conquered, they would be crucified naked and hung on a cross. And it was death over a long period of time so that torture and torment could be experienced for as long amount of time as possible. And Jesus chose to die on a cross. Okay, the, the point of John's explanation of Jesus dying on the cross is, is not the gruesome reality or the torture. Other gospel accounts get at that more. But that's not John's main point. Well, what I do want to say is I even now shift and we, and we read there and we're going to go to John nineteen twenty eight. I, I do want us so to understand that Jesus took on the very worst that our broken world has to offer. Okay, w- Jesus could have come and lived and died at any point in human history. It's still to this day believed that that is the absolute worst way to die. So whatever kind of pain and horror and tragedy we experience, we know, we remember, we walk through corporately as human humanity, individually. Jesus took it on. The very worst. But John's main point is to display Jesus's power. In this section, as we look at the cross, as we look at Jesus dying on the cross, the main point is that John is saying, listen, believe Trust in Jesus because he has all the power. He had the power to decide when and how he would die, and he alone had the power to declare victory. So, with that, look at verse 28 with me. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. Again, first of all, Jesus displays his power and that he had all the power to decide when and how he would die. Okay, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, all that he had set out to do, the mission that God the Father had sent Jesus on, everything that we've seen all throughout this gospel account, everyone that Jesus has healed, everything he said, everything he has done, now was the time that his mission was accomplished so he decided. Now's the time. It's all been finished. So he died. So he said, I thirst. Jesus had all the power to decide when and how he would die. I'm going to walk through a series of verses right now just to connect some dots for us how Jesus in this moment is fulfilling thousands of years of prophecy. That all throughout the scriptures, how and when, God's Messiah, the one who would come and set the captive world free from the rule and reign of death and sin and hopelessness and pain and sorrow and tragedy. He decided when and how it would be done. And we'll see a number of these passages come to mind. And I'd even encourage you, so they're going to come as I walk through them. I'd encourage you to jot down notes if you have a piece of paper, or you can take a picture of the slide and just see Jesus' power displayed in verse 28 when Jesus says, I thirst. That's fulfilling prophecies from Psalm 69 and from Psalm 22. And by the way, Psalm 22, I'm sorry, that is tiny text. Um, It's not their fault. I kind of gave this to them very last minute and we put up there. So, um, sorry, I don't have time to share with you all the craziness going through my mind. So anyway, Psalm 22 is um, the most quoted uh, psalm throughout the gospel accounts, even the New Testament. It is, is, again, over a thousand years before Jesus was even born, and Psalm 22 uh, really walks through, paints an incredible, beautiful, um, intense picture of what Jesus would go through when he would die on the cross. So tons of prophecies are fulfilled there. Again, in verse 29, right, we would just read through and be like, oh, um, hyssop. So uh, Jesus was, when he said, I'm thirsty, a jar full of sour wine happened to be standing there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and they held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received some of the sour wine, right, he spoke and said, it is finished. We'll come back to that. Well, hyssop, right, from these Roman Roman soldiers, it's like, oh, this is what we do. We use this. Well, hyssop is what was used. Pastor Keith mentioned this when he preached last week about the exodus. I love that Pastor Marcus explained how the, the black church has in. Intentionally and perhaps even at times unintentionally really been a, a picture of, of, of God's freeing his people from slavery, from tyranny, and in, 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 in how we see that the exodus, the journey from Egypt to the promised land, and many of the Negro spirituals and many songs sing of this and speak of this, and in, in Jesus, as he's on the cross, being given... Um, Sour wine used hyssop, which is what God's people used to put the blood on the doorposts. When the, the angel of death passed over the houses, when he was judging the, the homes of Israel, the, even Pharaoh's firstborn, all the firstborn children were, were, being, were being killed, were dying, because the angel that the Lord had sent was passing um, through Egypt, and, and yet he passed over the homes uh, that had, been, had blood painted on the doorposts from a hyssop branch. And Jesus... The firstborn, the onlyborn, Son of God, hanging on the cross, shedding his blood so that those who put their faith and trust in him can be covered by his blood and be passed over. Am I all alone here? Amen. He knows what he's doing. This is from thousands of years before. Exodus chapter 12, verse 22, and yet here, thousands of years later, Jesus is deciding when and how. He will die. Do you see his power? In verse 30, Jesus gave up his spirit. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 12. Another incredible place. Read through Isaiah chapter 53. Try to um, look for a way to explain that that is not a prophesying of how the suffering servant Jesus would lay down his life for his sheep, who have all gone astray, each to our own way, but God laid the iniquity of us all on him. Jesus decides how and when he will die. He gave up his spirit. It wasn't taken from him. Jesus gave it up. Verse 31 from Deuteronomy chapter 21 verses 22 and 23 speak of these these holy set-apart high Sabbath days. And the Jewish people, from their perspective at the time, happened to be observing these high Sabbath days. And that's why the legs of these prisoners had to be broken, because they couldn't remain up there during a high Sabbath day. Well, Jesus would give up his life on a high Sabbath day. And from our perspective, all these coincidences. No, no, no. Jesus decided how and when he would die. Do you see his power in verse 31 through 33, and in verse 36, says that no broken bones would come to the suffering servant. Do you see Jesus' power in deciding when and how he would die? And then in verses 34 and 37, says that Jesus' side was pierced. God is authoritatively working out his plan, his sovereign plan. He's the author of the whole story. Thousands of years before this, he has been writing down how and when he would deal with sin. All the way back in Genesis chapter three, it's called the Proto-Ewangelion, the first gospel when God is telling the serpent He says, the woman will give birth to a son. You will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. Thousands and thousands of years later, that son would crush the head of the serpent by dying on a cross. And yet from our perspective, this is human history working itself out. A Jewish rabbi, son of a carpenter, happened to be born in a town in a certain time in history, happened to die in a certain way that that particular empire chose to deal with people who opposed them. No, 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 it's his story. He has the power to decide how and when he will bring about the most climactic point in his story, in his plan. Now, something we like to say all throughout redemption is this, life is naturally supernatural. Okay, hear hear me, church. Right now, what we are doing, we don't know. We don't know what our seemingly mundane choices, how they will impact, how they will be a part of God writing his story with eternal consequence. Look with me at a couple of places here. In verse 34, right? It says that his side is pierced. In verse 34, it reads, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once, there came out blood and water. So that Roman soldier, right, probably a very young man, did what he was supposed to do. Okay, we're supposed to break the legs of these people, right? Well, oh, this one happened to die, right, before the other. So he broke two. He broke this thief and this thief's legs. But this one, Jesus, happened to all run, run, ready to be dead. No, as we just saw earlier, he decided when to give up his spirit he died. So again, the prophecies would be fulfilled that none of his bones would be broken. So what do you do? Oh, what if he's pretending? What if he's asleep, right? Which is foolish. No one could go through that and just be sleeping. But just to make sure, I'll do what a well-trained soldier would do. I'll grab this spear and I'll pierce his side. And what happens? Blood and water comes out from his perspective, he can now sleep at night and say, okay, I did my job. I made sure the prisoner actually died, right? Blood and water came out. That's what happens. I'm not a biology major, but that's what happens when you're dead is the, the, the water and the, the blood separate, right? And it comes out like this. It comes pouring out. And so it just looks like that. So one, that defeats what has been known as the swoon theory, Some people even today want to discount Jesus risen from the dead and just say, oh, he didn't actually die. He was pretending, right? He was playing dummy, right? Like a boxer that gets punched and then tries to bait someone in and kind of pretend and then sucker punch you. And Oh, that's what Jesus was doing. He was pretending. No, his side was pierced. Blood and water came out. The swoon theory is... Foolishness. But also, what happens? The blood and the water come out. For thousands and thousands of years, God's people trusted in God's grace and His mercy and His undeserved favor, and they would offer sacrifices, and God would show them that that they were were forgiven. They were covered by by blood. And so, Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, uh, dies on the cross, offers Himself in our place in blood covers us so that we are now fully forgiven, fully accepted. I don't have time to fully go into all this details. There's a great uh, online, there's a great program called the Bible Project dot com and I would encourage you to there's a great explanation there of the significance of animal sacrifice and how Jesus being the perfect sacrifice is our is our hope is good news for us so blood comes out we are fully forgiven if we have put our faith our trust in Jesus and then some of us feel like okay we're forgiven but are we really accepted Is God shaking his head at us and looking at us like, okay, I accept you because I have to, because Jesus took your place, but I don't really love you or delight in you. Well, the imagery used all throughout, again, in the Psalms and many other places that the water washes us fully pure, fully clean, forgiven and accepted, pardoned and delighted in. From our perspective, from the perspective of the people just walking through this, it was like, oh, just another thing going on. No, Jesus decided when and how he would provide for, care for, cover, sacrifice himself for, wash clean all those who would put their faith in him. In verse 28, read with me there, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the, fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. He's fulfilling prophecy, right? I shared it earlier, right? He's fulfilling prophecy from Psalm 69, Psalm 22. Is he just hanging on the cross and being like, oh, I've got to observe the script here just right. Oh, I have to say I'm thirsty. No, he's thirsty. Jesus is fully God and fully man. In that moment, in his full humanity, Jesus, suffering, lying, hanging in anguish, is thirsty. So he says, I thirst. Again, a seemingly natural everyday occurrence and yet also supernatural. Thousands of years of prophecies being fulfilled all in one moment, all in one person. Jesus, fully God, And fully man. He said, I thirst. But the main reason he would say this is because he had something else to say. Jesus displays his power in being able to declare victory. He and he alone can decide when it is finished. John 19, verse 30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So just very quickly and briefly before we get into those most important words, it is finished, right? You might be thinking, I just don't want anyone to be confused, and some of us maybe look for an off-ramp, oh, that's my reason now not to take this seriously. That's my reason not to fully trust God in this moment. And, and, and we hear these things and we get stuck on things. And some of us might have read other gospel accounts and maybe be thinking, wait, I thought Jesus rejected the wine. Well, for instance, in the gospel, uh, according to Mark, Jesus was offered what is referred to as mixed wine. And that was meant to kind of numb or sedate someone who is going to the cross. If you've ever seen Braveheart, you've never seen Braveheart? Yeah, all truth is God's truth, okay? All stories reflect in some way the true story, and so in that moment when William Wallace is given, right, some kind of a mixed wine to to numb the pain so that he wouldn't suffer, and then he spits it out, right, his lover kisses him and he pretends that he swallowed it but then he makes himself throw up or spits it out or whoa whatever it is I forget and you know and so then he doesn't well he didn't come up with that all right I don't know if that actually happened even in real history but either way Jesus is the real William Wallace okay Jesus don't get distracted focus on the main part of the story here Jesus rejected that wine because he wanted to have his full faculties as he hung on the cross so he didn't take that wine, but then separately, this wine was the sour wine that everyone would use to quench their thirst. And Jesus accepted that wine so that he could declare, it is finished. Not, I am finished. Not, okay, my time is done, I'm, my life, I, it's come to an end, I'm, I'm dying. It is finished. The Greek word, I have a stutter by the way, I forgot to say at the beginning. (laughs) Sometimes God uses it for dramatic pause and impact. (laughs) Tetelestai, the debt has been paid in full. It was used primarily in that way, whether someone was a slave someone had chosen to give themselves as an indentured servant or something along those lines, he, 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 someone would would go and would have their papers and would say, I served, I did my part, and then they would have it stamped, the debt has been paid in full. It was also though, I learned in preparation for this, it was used a lot more, more commonly than that, right? When an artist was done with, with a work of, of a masterpiece would step back and would say, to telesty, right? Like, voila. It's done. A master carpenter, a, a mechanic, whatever it might be, someone that, that did something, a song that was done, a, 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 a culinary treat. It's done. Now experience it. Also, again, used to pay a debt. It's done. It's paid in full. That's what Jesus declared, and it's important for personal and for cosmic, universal, far-reaching levels. On a personal level, the debt has been paid in full. Let me ask you, I, I was thinking about this, how many of us in our day pay anything off in full? Sadly, not that often. I see a few older folks in here, senior saints, Right? My in laws a couple years ago paid off their house. And, and I was singing about that. And I was like, wow, very rarely do we hear of anyone paying off their house. Right? You can take 100 year loans. You can, you know, and we can, you can, you can, when I was a kid, you could put food on, on like lug, lug, hay away. My mom opened up a tab for us. At, she worked at a book bar we could go up there to the bar and you know get hot dog or whatever and then she'd pay it off with our tips and her tips and then scold us a little later for well wasting all our tips right but we you could get food and you nowadays we don't pay anything off almost but imagine whatever it is right whether it's a bar tab a car an education a toaster if it's paid in full how many of us circle back and say, oh, I don't really, how many of you keep paying off your student loans, right? If you get an email or a letter or a phone call that says paid in full, the next month are you going to be like, "I, I don't really feel like it's paid off. <laughs> you know, let me, I'll stand on, on, on hold for a couple hours to, to make sure and to pay that payment one more time. But that's what we do. When we don't feel like Jesus is paying our debt fully on the cross was enough. I need to have one more quiet time. I need to really... I need to talk to another pastor. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to memorize more scripture. I need to feel better. I need a worshipful experience so I really feel like it's been done. All those things are good, but they are meant to be built upon the foundation of what Jesus has done and what Jesus has victoriously declared. It is finished. You are forgiven. You are accepted. You are washed clean. Jesus declared it for all who put their trust in him. And as important and massive and significant as this is on a personal level, there are also cosmic realities to what Jesus declared. When Jesus said, It is finished, it's not just spiritual, it's not just personal. What is the cr- Christmas song? far as the curse is found if jesus really is lord over all things seen and unseen if jesus really rules as abraham kuyper says right if he is the king who 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 there is not one square inch in the entire cosmos the entire universe over which jesus who is lord of all does not declare mine Or maybe another way to think about it is if you are a good parent or a good older sibling and your child or your younger brother or sister is bullied, and a bully goes and takes their lunch money and gives them a noogie and gives them a wedgie and gives them a swirly, right, this is coming from someone who's the youngest of four boys, and I know all of those things intimately. Right, And you're bullied and you're beat up and then someone steals your new Jordans and, and, and it picks on you and takes it all from you. Well, a, a, a real hero doesn't just say, oh, come over here, I'll protect you and come here and snuggle with me. No, it, the, the real hero goes over and, and puts the bully in its place. Right, picks him upside down and and shakes him by his shoes until every last cent he took from you, it comes on the floor and is given back to you. Well, we have a real hero, Jesus, who doesn't let the enemy, the serpent, the Antichrist, just take anything. He says, I'm bringing it all back. These are my children. It is finished. Church, as I close, I want to ask you, what do you long to hear? It's finished. It's over. Divorce. War. Broken self image. Infertility. Drug addiction. Suicide. I'll say it, sexual confusion. Right now, we live in light of the reality that the world is not the way it should be. We are reminded every moment of every day that the world is not the way it should be. But Jesus declared that the final victory, the final good news, is that whatever pain we are currently suffering, it doesn't get the last laugh. It is finished. So what does that really mean practically? Some of those things I just mentioned. The stark reminders of the broken world we're in. What does it look like for us as a church community to be a place where people walking through infertility or maybe pe- people who have chosen or accepted a life of celibacy because they walk through same-sex attraction. And as a good friend of mine said, it's, it feels like my very, my very only option is that I get to be an awkward uncle. That's not good news. No, the good news of Jesus saying it is finished is that a, a part of the body of Christ means that you can be a part of a family. It means that if if your your parents are estranged from you, or are dead, or are 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 divorced, or are not followers of Jesus, as Timothy, as Paul says to Timothy, Timothy and Titus, you can have m- older women be like mothers, older men be like fathers, older brothers, older men be like brothers and women like sisters. We can have real family, real community. You are a mother, even if you're unable to give birth to your own children biologically. You are needed. You are accepted. You are valued. The good news of Jesus declaring victory is good news for us now, is good news for the world to see and to demand an explanation. Tell me more about this victorious Jesus who decided when and how he would die, who he and he alone gets to declare victory. He's in control. He's our Lord. He's the head of our church. He's the one we're going to respond to right now. What's your story? Have you followed him? Have you trusted in him? Do you need to be reminded of what you already know but maybe forgotten? He's good. He's making all things new. It is finished. Father, we need you. We remember Jesus hanging on a cross. We look at the cross as we respond in the four different ways that we do every week, I pray that we will be reminded that you take what is most horrible and broken and painful and somehow make it good. Most clearly, that is displayed on the cross. Jesus, thank you that when you rose from the dead, you once and for all declared final victory. Lead us now by Your Spirit to respond as Your people in Your good news and in Your name, Jesus. Amen.